Welcome to the Real Appeal Podcast. This is your host, Kelsey Loizel, and with me today is my co-host, Mark Salcedo. Hi, Mark Salcedo. Hi. Otherwise known as Creeper. (laughs) Sorry, I've been saying that for about 20 minutes nonstop. (laughs) (laughs) It's not any worse than your consumption. Yeah, I know. (laughs) It almost sounded like you said Mork. Mork Salcedo. Mork Mork Salcedo of Mork and Mindy. Yeah, no. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so to tell you something. What's that? You know, when your daughter comes over, mm-hmm. and I tell her, chill with the chilies for a second. <laughs> you know, because my children are actually hot dogs. Chill with the chilies. Yeah. That was a very, that was a very mom thing for you to say. <laughs> yeah. No. Oh. I mean, that quote came from tax collector <laughs> but you know because that movie is all about moms <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> my tax that ass you know that's just wrong that's wrong that's not what i meant sorry guys <laughs> sorry 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 i thought it was funny <laughs> it was very inappropriate <laughs> <It was> so <laughs> um you can find us on facebook twitter instagram at the real appeal to ease and real and you can email us at Therealappeal at gmail.com. And this week, we've got the news. We have our recent review of The Tax Collector. We have our variety time, Try This, Not That. And our geriatric cinematic, To Live and Die in L.A. You know, that's the story. That's like a, a biography of Mark's life. <laughs> to live and die in L.A.? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, um, You've lived in L.A. like. And I, I probably will die in L.A. Um, yeah, there is a, there's actually a short film of my uh, bio, of, a biopic of, of my life. It stars uh, Tupac and Dre called To Live and Die in L.A. It's a very Mad Max-esque kind of theme. Um, yeah, it's based off of my life. I thought Basquiat was. Shit, I wish. <laughs> all I need now is... And then you could die of a drug yeah, overdose? all I need is a heroin overdose. I'm good to go. <laughs> but you'd have to be best friends with your least favorite artist. Oh, Andy Warhol? Yeah. God, I don't like... I fucking hate Andy Warhol. <laughs> He'd be like, why hate Andy Warhol? Because he sucks. That's why he steals art. Go on. <laughs> um, And our topic. Oh, our topic is that LA life. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I think your phone vibrating distracted you. I know. That was my daughter texting me. Yeah. Oh, man, this, this, this episode, fuck. I'm going to have fun. The more I hate something, the more uh, fun I have. Well, I, I had fun listening to you talk about how much you hated Radioactive, and that was like, that was your episode. This is going to be my episode where I just fucking just rip the shit out of fucking Tax Collector. I hate that. <laughs> All right. Well, why don't we just get into it then uh, with the news? You could take the first one. No. Why not? All right, I'll take the first one. Uh, we have a director for Captain Marvel. Uh, Captain Marvel 2. Captain Marvel 2. Uh, Nia DaCosta will be directing, uh, will be taking over the directing role from um, Anna Bowden and Ryan Fleck, who directed the first Captain Marvel. Margo, excuse me. <laughs> Captain Marvel in uh, 2019. 
Um, this is, I think this is a pretty big news. A lot of people are just like, oh, that's cool, like whatever. But uh, this is, I think it's pretty big news because this, this is the first uh, female black director mm-hmm. to take over uh, that position for Marvel. And um, she's, she's, I know Nina Costa, she's going to be blown. Well, she's already blown up. I mean, people are like waiting for her Candyman movie to come out. And she did this movie called uh, Little Woods back in 2019, which I heard is really good. I want to watch that. Um, yeah, that one stars uh, Tessa Thompson and I forgot who else. But um, yeah, homegirl Nina Costa's fucking doing Captain Marvel too. And um, I mean, if Marvel, if Marvel approached her, they they obviously see something. Maybe they got their hands on Candyman, see what's up. Well, they're like, like oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, like, well, we want her. We want her to direct. So I'm really looking forward to this. Um, there's nothing else in the news about Captain Marvel too, other than that um, the film is still scheduled. For release on July eighth, two thousand twenty two, and uh, I'm trying to see who else is going to be holding the. Uh, I, ma- I imagine we're still in the pandemic at that time. Ugh. Regal's talking about how they're going to open soon. Who? Regal. Really? Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. I was getting emails like, "Hey, this is how we're going to keep you safe when we open." So. <laughs> no, I keep myself safe by not going. Exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's it for the uh, Captain Marvel news. Um, in other news, a judge agrees to end Paramount consent decrees. Um, so after about seventy-five years or so, um, the Paramount consent decrees for that amount of time were basically meant to keep movie like studios from purchasing theaters yeah like hour blocks and stuff like that Mm -hmm. and and essentially buying out the theater to only show like their films right um and i think it's so funny because you posted this originally and you're like oh this is really good news for indie films and i'm like oh cool and then then i was like oh you're being sarcastic weren't you you're like yeah did you read the article and at that time i'm like no (laughs) (laughs) yeah this um during like the early days of hollywood like paramount and um trying to think other like 20th century i think it was around at that time um a lot of theaters they would especially disney disney's another one of them um these studios would buy out the entire theater and only show their movies and it pushed out a lot of independent films a lot of like movies you would never heard of like out and they wouldn't it would be hard for them to make a profit um but the u.s supreme court did a 19 in 1948 a decision um like a landmark decision that pretty much like stopped that and mm-hmm. that's why we are still getting a different, like, uh, like a collective field of, like, movies and shit like that. Mm-hmm. Um, however, you know, st- studios have been kind of getting around it. Um, now, this, 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 now, this decree was for Paramount, but the other studios followed. So they're like, okay, we don't want to get in trouble with the U.S. and Peru Court, so we'll do this as well. Um, so they were finding other way around, other way around. Like remember Netflix, they bought out the Egyptian, they bought the Egyptian theater. Disney owns like the El Capitan and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But now this is going to happen. Now that this happened, they're just like, all right, cool. We can, whenever theaters are opening up, this leaves opportunity for big studios to like push out the smaller films just to like own like essentially our blocks and shit like that. Yeah. Um, so, Judge Annalisa Torres of the U.S. District Court 
um, said that times have changed and she agrees with the government and so the rules must change. And she said, uh, given this changing marketplace, the court finds that it is unlikely that the remaining defendants would collude to once again limit their film distribution to a select group of theaters in the absence of the decrees and finds, therefore, that termination is in the public interest, she writes, in a 17-page opinion. No. no. Like, <laughs> she must be a Republican. <laughs> no. Uh, look, Disney Disney bought out what they bought out Fox. Mm-hmm. They're aiming for Sony. Um, they bought off Lucas Films. Like this is not, this is. I mean, they would get penalized for stuff like this, like part of like an antitrust law and shit. Mm-hmm. And this, I, I I don't know how fast it's going to happen or how how impactful it is, but the fact that this this decree's been thrown out the window, mm-hmm. like it it just opens up the door for like. Like, if you allow people to do it, they're going to do it. Yeah, it's not especially. like, oh, they're going to be like, well, I shouldn't do this. I know, in it's... good faith. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, like in good faith, you expect that people, you know, aren't spitting over the side of a bridge. But, <laughs> you know, it does happen. Yeah. So we'll have to wait and see. But I, I personally think this is a really bad, um, a really bad move, especially for like the indie market, because a lot of these... A lot of these, in, a lot of the indie films, like A twenty four or Aperture Films or um, Focus Features, and so I think Focus Features is part of a, a major studio. Um, they can't compete with fucking Disney yeah. at all, and mm-hmm. they, the movies just start getting pushed out and pushed out. These indie films start getting pushed out by these major studios. There's just going to be more don't... lawsuit. They probably will. I'm sure there probably will be a lawsuit, like some serious lawsuit. But then you know, Disney's got all that money. So, yeah, I know, no, but Paramount's got all that money. <laughs> but they did back then too. They did, but they, you know, they couldn't fight the Supreme Court, and this at a time where like the the government was like, "Fuck Hollywood." Yeah, and now they're like, "We love Hollywood." I know we want to be in your movies. You know, Donald Trump in two fucking movies, really. Anyway, fuck that guy. <laughs> okay, uh, the next one. Doctor Who's Ninth Doctor, Christopher Eccleston, returns to the role in Audio Adventures. I saw this posted on my Facebook timeline. It was fucking everywhere. I was like... Everywhere. Really, really excited about this. Uh, and then I was like, oh, Audio Adventures. You haven't, you haven't listened to any of these Audio Adventures, have you? Never. Okay. This, obviously, this is a big, another big deal. Well, another big deal, but a big deal in the whole like Whovian universe because Eccleston has gone on record saying I will never return to that role, mm-hmm. and he was your first Doctor, correct? Mm-hmm. And I like Eccleston because he really, I, I thought he really did well in his first season, bringing back Doctor, well, bringing some new life to Doctor Who. Um, however, well, it's not really much of a however. These audio dramas, these are dope. Mm-hmm. These are dope as shit. This, these are the, these audio dramas are the reason why Paul McGann. The Eighth Doctor is my favorite Doctor because they are some really great writing. Mm-hmm. But sometimes even much better than the TV shows. Hmm. So the fact that he's coming back, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Where can you listen to them? Uh, from where I understand, I know you can like download them on CD. You can you can get them on CD, vinyl, and I know you can download them because this is going to be a big deal. Um, uh. It doesn't exactly say where, but I'm, I'm sure the fact that like this is coming out, they're gonna like make 
uh, deals with like Audible or iTunes or something like that at yeah. Google Play. You want to hear something funny? This what? made me think of um, Skype. Why? <laughs> Skype has this thing where uh-huh. you could choose like like a bot to talk to. Oh, okay, yeah. And they have Doctor Who. Oh, do they really? So then he kind of has you like doing these tasks and different uh, things of like, oh, you know, like, and you answer him and he like talks back to you. Yeah. So that's what it made me think. You know of. what? I'm actually surprised that um, that Google hasn't. I'm trying to see if Google Home got activated. I'm surprised that Google hasn't like hasn't got up on this mm-hmm. and like approach like David Tennant. Or any of the former doctors, like Tom Baker, or any any of the former doctors, to do the um, like Issa Rae. Yeah, Issa Rae did that. Well, yeah. she, you know, I was in the kitchen the other day, not saying really anything, yeah. and she started telling me the weather. I'm like, thanks, Issa Rae. <laughs> She's like, you no problem, Kelsey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but what do you? Oh, so okay, now that I've told you about these audio dramas and that they're actually really good, mm-hmm. would you would you actually give these a listen to? Um, probably, mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not real good about like, like audiobooks or audio, whatever, because mm-hmm. it doesn't, um, keep me occupied enough. Oh, really? Like, I feel like I'm just sitting there listening to someone talk mm-hmm. and then I'm going to be on my phone and then I'm going to be missing stuff mm-hmm. or like, like, what do I do with my hands or, yeah. Like, it's not the same thing as, like, when you're watching something, yeah. because it's, I don't know, I, I, I'm not real good about it. That's why I don't really listen to podcasts. Well, they, well, they, they don't, like, the way how, I mean, they actually act these things out, you know? You actually see, you actually hear Eccleston, like, speaking as a doctor, like, towards somebody Does or they also whatever. talk about, like, act as Rose? <laughs> Well, that's the thing. No one knows. Um, no one knows who else has been cast in it. But oh. like, can you imagine if Rose, Rose Piper, um, Billy, what's her name, Billy, Billy Piper. Piper? Yeah, if she comes back as Rose, people will be like, "Yo, I'm buying all that shit." Yeah, I know. Like, mm. I know it's it's just like listening to radio back in like the 20s and the 30s yeah. and stuff. But like, I I just can't do it. I used to listen to them a lot when um I was when I was working as a delivery driver, so it gave me hours on the road, and I would just go through like fucking Paul McGann's like whole like adventure and like stuff. I could do that but mm. if I'm sitting at home I can't I can't do it and I can't do it while I'm working either because yeah because you have to focus on that yeah yeah that's the only thing like it would it would actually give you the, the initiative to be like alright maybe I'll just go for like a long walk or some shit like that yeah and and they're and they're not they're not long. They're not like two hours. They're like maybe like forty five minutes or something like that. Oh, that's not bad. Yeah, so you can like listen to it. That's for like a walk. when I did get into Audible and like mm-hmm. um. Why can't I remember his name? The guy who played Loki. Oh, um, Tom Hiddleston? And he did the reading of that one book that you really liked? Oh, uh, the one about the whole, the apartment, right? About the tower or whatever? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, High Rise. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you listen. See, I, that's And I did listen to part, like, some of it. Uh-huh. And then, because I was commuting. Oh, okay. So I could. And then, like, I don't know. Then Audible's kind of for me a mm. shitty service because they're like oh we're gonna keep charging you and it's like expensive yeah they charge you per month plus you gotta like rent the book or what oh you yeah, gotta, you you gotta to, buy the book as well or the audio, no the you, you pay for the monthly service mm. and then you have to on top of it get you they only give you a certain number of credits yeah and if you want more credits you have to pay for more uh, okay see i did that whole thing of like 
uh, yeah, hi. It was not, I was speaking to anybody, but I was like putting in my information and putting in like a fake email or some shit like that. <laughs> and there was like a bunch that I got. Um, damn, I didn't know you had that one, the one with Tom Hiddleston. Because I, mm-hmm. I listened to the High Rise Audible version, mm-hmm. but it wasn't Tom Hiddleston. And it, this was like before the movie came out and I oh. wanted to listen to it. Um, but yeah, it's it's different from like, it's not like those audio, like the audible books where someone's just like, he went to the store and he sat down and said hi. No, you'll you'll hear like, Rose, I need your help. And you'll hear like. And you go to the store and you sit down? Hey, wow. Yeah, you know, because. In protest of, you know, you don't want to wear a mask? No, no, no. I, <laughs> God, I'm not an idiot. Uh, no, I sit in the basket while my mom pushes pushes the cart. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> what? What? Um, these are great. Like, like also. So what I was getting at is I, I think these are great. Um, when they come out, you like I said, you like I know you like uh, you like Christopher Eccleston's Doctor. I know you enjoyed it a lot, so I think you should check it out. I'm I'm definitely gonna check it out when they get released. I mean, I'm not not sure the legal way, but I'm checking them out. Yeah, the legal way. Yeah, the legal way. You know, I'm gonna purchase them from Torrance, California, <laughs> where I get all my movies from Torrance, California. <laughs> I pay a hefty fine for Torrance, California. Mm-hmm. Hefty, hefty, hefty. Oh, God, stop it. <laughs> stop it. Cut it out. It's not... No, no. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, so with all of that madness, we're mm. going to get into our recent review of The Tax Collector. You heard of me? What have you heard? I heard you the devil. Ah, come on, fool. eh? Every gang in LA has to pay their taxes. What's up, Holmes? Wake up. If you stack short, go rob a bank. Rob your own mother. There's no excuses. Do not test that. Oh, hey, whoa, whoa. Guys look like a couple of monsters. What the hell, man? Yeah, but I'm at peace with that. What's up, Johnny Cash? How about that time you gave me like three different STDs? Are you kidding? I'm just kidding. She's kidding. You got your wife, you got your kids, you got your castle. Daddy! I'm supposed to terrorize the herd. That's my function. God allows me to walk through the darkness and come back into the light. What did you see, me? I heard that you were this big bad gangster. You're taxing 43 different street gangs. That's thousands of dudes in the most violent subculture in Los Angeles. The count's short. Who are you? I'm the future, and you the past. Got your kids. You want to buy them back? You don't think he wants to spill blood? He wants to cut your heart off. Can't run with what's left. I got a 380 on each ankle, 38 on my right, 25 on my left, chopper in the trunk, lock on my belt. I'm on it. I have to, before I read the synopsis. Okay. Like, one of the words has quotes around it, and I think it's, <laughs> it's really that. stupidly placed. Okay. It makes me think of someone doing air quotes and then winking, like, mm-hmm. tax collector. There's wink, 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 <laughs> wink. If you haven't heard it, wink. Uh tax collector working for a local crime lord finds his family's safety compromised when the rival of his boss shows up in LA and upends the business. I said business. Okay. <laughs> I heard that. 
Directed and written by David Ayer. I know he's done good stuff, but mm. I'm starting not to like him. Um, Harsh Times, End of Watch, and Suicide Squad are the movies that he's done before. It stars Bobby Soto, Cynthia Carmona, Shia LaBeouf, Jose Conejo Martin, uh, Cheyenne Ray Hernandez, Clay Sloan, Richard Mesquita, and George Lopez. Mm. So, Mark. Mark. Yes, I'm here. Present. Are you, are present. You, you're present? Yes, in attendance. Are you presently present? Yeah. What did you think about this movie about the tax collector wink wink all right let me just start off from the top rope and say fuck this movie (laughs) like all the way fuck this movie um this is a bad film this is a really bad film is it good bad no no and that's the thing even before even before you and i saw it i heard that it is a true it was an atrocious film that it was really bad and i i don't i don't just take i don't take reviewers or, yeah, I don't take reviewers' uh, word and just go, like, okay, I'm just never going to watch that movie. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it may take me a while to go see it because I'll be like, oh, I'm hearing it's bad, but I'm no rush to watch it. Right. But this one, I wanted to do it because um, I think it's been, like, what was the last VOD we did? That was that last week, right, for Radioactive? No, 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 I'm sorry. Um, the last recent movie that we did was Radioactive. Mm-hmm. And I was, like, I was like, all right, let's do another recent movie. <laughs> and you're like, why did I decide to do that? <laughs> And I, I, I don't necessarily hate David Ayer. Like, I enjoyed End of Watch. His movie Fury is actually really fucking good. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what's it called? Uh, Training Day. He wrote it, but that's the script that got Denzel Washington an Oscar and everything. So I was like, and granted, like, from what I hear, his Suicide Squad version is actually way better than the one we got. And I thought, you know what? He's a comparable director. This can't be a bad movie. And he's, he's kind of going back to like what he knows, which is kind of like this like L.A. gangster lifestyle thing. You know, he's like, I would say he's like the Guy Ritchie of like L.A. gangster films, but with like zero talent after watching this fucking movie. But like Guy Ritchie's really hit or miss too. No, that's Guy Ritchie can be hit or miss, but he, he has more hits than miss. Mm. David Ayer is just constantly missing now. And after the, watching this movie with the atrocious writing, the horrible directing, the f- <laughs> fucking ho- god-awful acting, f- like, ugh, I hate this movie. I hate it so much. Kelsey and I were watching it, and I'm just looking at her like, are we fucking, did you just fucking see any of this bullshit? And you're I'm like, like, what bullshit? And you're <laughs> like, the acting. I'm like, oh yeah, that's hard to miss. Because <laughs> you used to like broadly were like, the bullshit. Yeah, I'm like, what? The bullshit. Just like. <laughs> All of it. A, yeah, a general a general comment and everything. Like, let, here, let, let's do one of the quotes. No, actually, no, let's say that. We can't, we have to do it. We're going to do the spoilers. All right, all right, all right. Yeah. My, it was, you know, I decided right before we started doing the. Uh, recording right now uh-huh. that we should um read some of the quotes uh, yeah because they're so bad yeah um so bobby soto who's david i don't know where the fuck this guy c- came from i i can't think of anything i've seen him in but oh my who jesus this dude's a bad actor i was more interested in seeing who was in the movie that we knew from other places like diego from umbrella academy had like a little yeah part. yeah that's <laughs> right um Oh, wow. Okay, so this dude, oof, Jesus, he's only done, like, 
oh, he's done enough. Oh, he was in Swan. So this, so this cat, uh, Bobby Soto, he's done a, no, a number of shows and TV shorts. Um, he's done like one. Oh, apparently, he was in Narcos Mexico, which I do not remember him in that movie. I mean, in that show. Um, but I could not take him serious at all, especially the voice. In fact, his voice is like this most of the time. He sounds like he didn't hit puberty yet. Yeah, like his balls hadn't dropped. And I don't mean to like really clown on the dude, but like there are actors who have that voice but who could still sell themselves because they carry the, the the bravado of being a badass like they it's something about you could just be like yeah I totally see that dude being a badass despite whatever he sounds or even what he looks like i don't think it's his fault though like it's his fault for choosing the role but it's i don't think it's his fault because it was so poorly written yeah so he has a whiny sounding voice on top of a whiny dialogue or like oh, yeah, whiny lines yeah and his and his character's like motivation were like constantly contradicting itself and shit like mm. that and like the fact that david i don't know david air like 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 i'm 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 i wasn't really raised much of a, in a latin household um i'm as you can know my last name is salcedo so i am part latin but i've been a, i have hung out like most of my friends growing up were either mexican guatemalan salvadorian like i just hold i just i just hung out with that culture you Mm -hmm. know and i was able to like appreciate it i feel like david Ayer hung out with this culture which i believe he like grew up in like east la for a lot of a lot of his uh youth or whatever Mm -hmm. but he took like all the bad parts and was just like yeah this is what i need to show everybody and it was just garbage (laughs) like i grew up around puerto ricans Mm -hmm. like where i grew up in like elementary and middle school mm-hmm. was like mostly puerto rican yeah and then when i went to pennsylvania it's so funny i lived in the middle of like bumfuck pennsylvania mm. and a fucking shortly after i moved there a puerto rican family moved in next door <laughs> like they followed me yeah, they followed you. and like so i get what you're saying too because like it's i don't know i don't think i could do that to somebody you mean would uh, display their lifestyle like that in a super negative light? Yeah, like if I did something like I almost want to, you know that movie with um, is it Diego Luna or who? Which no, one? maybe it's not him. Um, with that one musical that's coming out and they're all singing and I kind of oh, sold like in the heights it. or something like that. Yeah, yeah, like that to me is way more positive sounding. You know, you yeah. get the culture and everything, but like you don't need to make it about the things that this movie is making everything out to be yeah and and we're not trying to say like oh this one we should have like a positive life and us should have shined a positive light on mexican culture and stuff like that but like this this essentially this is the movie that donald trump would watch and be like mexicans are taking over los angeles you know that's literally where my mind was going right as you were about to say that (laughs) yeah (laughs) like if donald trump himself wrote this fucking movie yeah his (sighs) Like like his camp was like yeah or someone from like the GOP or like a hardcore like <laughs> conservative Republican they're taking our jobs look they want look at the documentary called the tax collector you know like that's what Alex Jones sounds like <laughs> or Rush Limbaugh whichever um, what do you think about Shia LaBeouf all right I don't uh, okay Shia LaBeouf I don't oh damn okay Shia LaBeouf is, <laughs> Shia LaBeouf. I know he's at the door. Shit. What you think, dog? <laughs> um, okay, so Shia LaBeouf in this role. Uh, okay. 
I, I'm going to say that I, I actually like Shia LaBeouf's acting. When he's given a good script, the dude can act. He's actually grown as an actor. Um, his character is creeper. Like, I don't know. Like, the, there are times where I'm just like, like, you know what? Here we go. He didn't. He did not need to be in this movie because he added nothing to that character. Like, I, I disagree with you. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Okay. I think he was the only good thing about the movie. <laughs> no, I think the movie didn't do him any favors. No, no, I'm not saying that. Like, okay, so okay, so let me let me take a step back. Okay, he was good in the movie. I'm, okay, he was good, but he wasn't great. Like there are times where I was just like, because it was a bad movie. It was a bad movie. I, that's the thing. Like. Like, I know, like, because people are talking about, like, the cultural appropriation of why Shia LaBeouf is in this movie and everything. And I think they would be able to avoid that if they actually explained why this character is in this fucking movie. Yeah. Like, wh- like he's obviously, like, a white cat hanging around with, like, a Mexican and this, like, Mexican lifestyle. He's got all these, like, all these, like, tattoos and everything that's very, like, Mexican o- iconography and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And it's just like, all right, tell me why that dude is here tell me like about that guy yeah and then i won't be so as i won't be as pissed off at this movie as i actually am now his performance is like all right he doesn't do like very he doesn't do like stereotyping like walking and everything like he kind of is able to carry it carry himself in a appropriate manner of that character mm-hmm. however like i said when i say it, they could have just had some, anybody else they could have had anybody else because it was just like Yo, you could have found like you could have actually found like an actual Mexican dude to like play the role. Yeah, but would he been would he have been a good enough actor to get anything out of him as opposed to getting something out of Shia LaBeouf? Mm, I probably. I mean, there are. I'm sure there. I mean, there are like tons of ton of Mexican actors that can like. To, to emote and to pull something from a because sh- there have been shit scripts that have been saved by acting. That, like yeah. it does exist, but like, like you needed somebody with a, with a bit more like experience to save this shit script. Yeah. Um. So you already brought up the cultural appropriation. What did you think about his on again, off again accent? Oh God, I it, I took it in like waves. It was just like. Oh, there's the accent, and there it goes. Oh, there's the accent, and there it goes. <laughs> it's the- funny because his Mexican accent sounds mm-hmm. a lot like somebody with a lot of chew in their bottom lip. Yeah, he probably did have a lot of chew in the bottom lip. Really? Probably. I mean, because he kind of I mean, was, wasn't spitting. I know. Maybe but like, he had like a wad of gum. <laughs> yeah, or like just some paper or some shit down there. <laughs> um, yeah, his yeah, you're right. His accent was. I almost completely fucking forgot. His accent kept coming and going. Mm-hmm. And I think I think because I got to the point where I was just like, all right, he's just doing this now. Like there's some there's some times where he's got like auth- the authentic accent, and there are times where I'm just like, yo, you're just a white bo- you're just a white Jewish boy. <laughs> I really wish George Lopez had a bigger role. Now let's see, George Lopez, I did like. I liked him, but I also felt like he was hanging back. Like he he had a past. Yeah. You know. And with you know, without giving anything away, he like I wanted more. Like I felt like he would have been the bread and butter because I know he can do drama. Yeah, he can. Yeah, it, like it, I know he can, and mm. I know he knows what it's like to be Hispanic. Because hello, he's fucking Hispanic. Yeah, there there were there were plenty of times whenever he was on, and the way how he was like carrying himself, or like how his dialogue was going, or just his delivery. 
Mm-hmm. I would just like, I'm just remembering like 15 other people who like I bumped into growing up and just like, yep, that's that person. That's that person. Mm-hmm. I've heard that a thousand times. Like just the way how he was talking, even like there's like a scene where he's like talking shit to David, to Bobby Soto's character. Mm-hmm. And just pretty much like you bad, but you ain't that bad. I'm like, oh, fuck. I've heard that like a thousand times. <laughs> It was like the adults came into the room every time he came on screen. (laughs) You know, like, oh, let me show you how this is supposed to go. Uh, Okay. And, you know, he set him right. And then mm. it's like, okay, now the kids have taken over again. Okay, whatever. I bet you anything David Ayer was like, uh, hey, George, just just go ahead and be you, man. Let's go ahead to do it. (laughs) And he wanted to go do it. (laughs) Um, Before we get into spoilers, Uh um, besides the bad acting... Mm. do you want to talk about this script at all yeah um, bef- you know so we can give like a really good review before we kind of get into the bones of it like if the script was good or like how it how it would come across or like like what was so bad about it without giving anything away well like like i said the, some of the, di- the a lot of the dialogues that came off forced mm-hmm. or very uneven Mm-hmm. You know, like, this is what a person, like, it's it's like this, this script came off as like a person who watched a bunch of bad David Ayer movies and would think that's how you write a movie and wrote this fucking movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like if Tommy Wiseau watched <laughs> a bunch of gangster movies yeah. and was like, okay, I know what I'm doing now. Yeah, I made sure I had like spoons in the background or some <laughs> shit. Um, yeah, the script was bad too. Like, I couldn't. I couldn't like there's this, this, this I okay there is one thing I did like and it's only one small thing and it lasts for no lie like six seconds mm-hmm. and there's a shootout that happens near like in the third act that I thought looked cool mm-hmm. and that was it <laughs> that's like the only good thing but even as the script the script was pretty bad too um I I thought it was pretty inconsistent not just the oh, dialogue absolutely. but like the actions that people were taking didn't make any sense. The mm. relationships between people didn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, how they would behave with one person versus another that's family or not family. Mm. And like none of it was making any sense. Yeah. there. It seems like there's, it's almost like there's a couple, like there's the, the relationship between David and, uh, and Alexis, um, Alexis, David's <laughs> wife. Yeah, I know. It's like they were almost in two different movies talking to each other. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like there's like, there's like a scene, like it's not a spoiler or anything, but there's like a scene where they're like in a bedroom and talking about like a dream or some shit like that. And no, 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 like how they met or like why they met. No, no, like now I remember they were talking about like why like Alexis fell in love with him. Mm-hmm. And all that kind of stuff, right? And like I said, not going in too deep, but like she tells him, and then he gives like this answer, like, "Yo, why did you say that? Like, this, what was the point of asking that fucking question if you're just gonna contradict yourself?" Exactly. Oh man, I can't wait to talk about that scene. Yeah, let's, <laughs> <laughs> let's make Mark happy so he can <laughs> totally, you know, break this thing apart, and we're gonna get into our spoiler section. Yeah, yes. Tell me how you really feel. (laughs) (laughs) 
Let's start at the beginning. Okay. Do we want to read? Let's read that line. Let's just, let's just, just, just to keep going from how the, how shitty the script is. This is literally the first thing that happens in the movie. So Mark's going to take it away and we're going to do this one little scene. Okay. So the scene is there in the bedroom and they wake up. Okay. David looks at Alexis. David, Alex's uh, husband. David looks at Alexis and, Alexis, are you okay? Are the kids okay? Yeah. They're fine. They're fine. That was so real. They ran away. And I could hear the kids yelling, like, far away, and I could see their footprints on the sand. I followed them, but I couldn't go in the water. It was like it was glass. And I'm hitting the water, but it's like a window at an aquarium. And I could see the kids looking at me, and I'm just... It's just a dream. It's not real. No, David. It was so real. I think we actually did a better performance. (laughs) (laughs) That that is no lie, folks. That is dialogue. From the jump, we are just like, boom. I like my dreams better when I'm talking about my kids getting their legs (laughs) amputated, you know, Mm -hmm. and trying to ride scooters. Like, to me, that's better than this you know what i kind of had a feeling that i i my spidey senses were tingling when i thought that this might be a bad film just at the opening credits alone because the opening credits came off as like a direct to dvd like box set or a movie or something like that no it came off as really bad early 2000s movies that were coming out at that time yeah straight to dvd (laughs) (laughs) um just from that scene alone, it mm. was like they were trying too hard to tell you something. Yeah. Because she woke up and she had a bad dream and he randomly, she randomly were like, are the kids okay? Mm. Like, that's you're kinda, that's some, in th- bed and you woke up. You don't even think about that. That's some shitty ass foreshadowing. That's what I was saying. That's what I was getting at. Yeah. Like, they don't give you, why would you foreshadow in the very first scene of dialogue? Mm-hmm. Like, there's no visuals. There's nothing. It's just this woman talking about an aquarium and glass and water. Yeah. Like. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but it was real. It was real. So there's, like, there's one part that really bugged the fuck out of me. Because, like, um, they they get into, like, David Ayer gets into, like, into, like the minutia of, like, how these tax collectors work. How, like, this how this organization works, right? Mm-hmm. But, like, the way how it's displayed, it's displayed through, like, secret messages and stuff like that that are, like, put in, like, capsules and pill form and everything and pass around. Or they would put it in, like, the candy bars. You know, yeah. like, people were selling those Wolfgang. Yeah, yeah, like, exactly. Can- yeah. And the thing is, like, or I mean. Or, like, what, America's Finest Chocolate, I think it's called. Yeah. Now, I don't, you know, I have a brain. Kills has a brain. We don't need, like, the whole thing spelled out in front of us. Like, what the f- You think I have a brain? <gasps> Bigger than mine, shit. Um. <laughs> We don't need, like, a whole, like, explanation of, like, what's going on, right? But we would like to at least know what the fuck are we watching. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because there's, like, a series of, like, it's like a montage of, like, this organization passing these letters around and stuff like that. And I'm just like, wait, what are these What are these papers? What are these letters? Why are they passing around? Is it a fucking menu? Like, oh, I want two pounds of heroin this week or some shit? Well, like, it was confusing to me right from the beginning because they woke up that way. Uh, you don't know they're married. uh uh-huh. They wake up, they have 
people coming over the house they're mm. cooking they're like trying to show you that they have all this culture or whatever and then mm. he leaves and he goes to like a window tinting place yeah that's his that is it's it's his uh what's like it called? cover his, business yeah his cover business yeah and he's getting on his, this girl's case so you don't even know who she is to begin with until mm-hmm. then you find out that it's his cousin yeah but like she has parties there and all kinds of stuff. And you're like, okay. Then he's threatening this dude. Like, okay, so what is, what is his real job? Like, and also, why are they preparing so much food? And it seems like the party that they're trying to get ready for isn't yeah. for like another fucking week. Yeah, that's another thing. Like, the, the, the explanation of time is like lacking. Like, there's a number of parts. There's like a number... There's a number of scenes that like play out and the way how they play out, you're like, oh, this must be like a week later. And you're like, no, it's like the same day. Wait, is this same? like you get kind of lost because you're like, wait, I don't know when the fuck any of this shit is happening. Mm-hmm. You know? So then they do end up doing that montage yeah. where you're seeing, OK, so this is what they really do. But like still, you don't really know because yeah, we don't it, know how wor- we don't know why they do it why are they collecting money who are they collecting it for like that you don't see drugs or guns or any any reason for the money to be around Mm -hmm. it's just people picking up money and then this girl on like the like the blingiest fucking motorcycle ever oh yeah that whole delivery system is like so bullshit that they that woman would have got caught within like the first week of them doing that shit within the first two days <laughs> and there's even and that's the funny thing is like you never even get an idea of like their the level of their organization mm-hmm. like you get like the wizard who's like the boss uh-huh okay and then you get the uncle you get the uncle and then you get david and you get creeper mm-hmm and that's it. like you get like one or two other people, like the 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 cousin who's involved, and maybe like uh, the uncle George Lopez characters, like his right hand man. But you don't get an idea of the scope of what of how big this organization and why these forty three gangs fear this people, why they collect taxes. Also, I feel like I didn't know until the end of the movie that the wizard was his father. Like I know, oh. <laughs> they, like I know they kind of mention it. Uh. But, like, they don't do a good enough job making it stick. Yeah. So I was really confused. Or making it even important. (laughs) Exactly. So, like, that whole structure of who's who and everything was really confusing to me, too. Mm Because it seemed like they were stepping up. Mm -hmm. When then all of a sudden you find out, no, they're just giving you this bullshit money collecting gig. (laughs) Let's let's do another line. Another line from the the script. You want to do the second one? Yeah, let's do the second one. Okay. I'm David. This is Creeper. You heard of me? Victor nods. What have you heard, Victor? I heard you're the devil. I might be. <laughs> yeah, he said like that. I might be smiling. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because like they they use that scene to like sell the sell the movie for like trailers and stuff like that. Uh-huh. I was like, all right, this better be good this, this better add up to something cool or something because that's kind of whack yeah <laughs> <I> might be <laughs> and speaking of this dude oh, pff, i heard you're the devil yo the devil got shot the fuck up real quick yeah and that's what i'm saying about when we were talking about shia labeouf mm-hmm. and how like 
like you said, he could have been anybody. Mm. But I felt like he was the only really good thing in the movie besides mm. George Lopez. But he had even less to do with the film than Shia LaBeouf did. Yeah. Um, he actually was able to maybe sell this idea of who he was. Mm. Except for the fact that he didn't know whether he wanted to be in love and in a relationship with somebody already or like killing all his babies before they were born. Yeah. So I that's the thing. I didn't mind. I, okay. So one thing I, I did like about Shia LaBeouf, well, their, their display. Okay. Now here, I, I think I think I found out what the, what's one of the biggest issue. It seemed like David Ayer wrote this movie with the original idea of having Creeper as the focus. Yeah. And he just went, no, I'm going to do it on this guy, this guy named David instead. And that's why David is such a badly written character with like shitty motivations, horrible like decision making. And that's why Creeper, like you said, Shia LaBeouf is like the, the only the good thing mm-hmm. other than George Lopez. But like Creeper is like a good, the good thing in this movie. And there, the scene, there are certain scenes where where they kind of give you a little bit of more of Creeper, like when they actually kind of show why he's considered the devil. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, I'm digging, because like we actually know this character's backstory. We know like why people fear him. Mm-hmm. I had no reason to fear David. Like if you shot Creeper, David would just be dead the next day or some shit like that. Yeah. And um, so, you know, they paint Creeper to be this badass. And there's even that scene in the in the movie where he's like, you know, I got two thirty eights. Oh, I got I got thirty on both ankles. I got a shotgun in the back. I got a forty five here. I got like he's doing like all the things. He's like loaded like inventorying up with, like the things that he can use to kill people. Yeah, and what he's like constantly carrying on him. But mm-hmm. when there's that big shootout, he has that one gun and gets just taken out really fucking fast. What bothers me is he's the only person who had like real tears. Yeah, yeah. Like real tears. Like you could tell he was actually crying those tears. It wasn't someone putting eye drops in his eyes and saying, "Okay, shoot." Like yeah, and that that goes that 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 goes into the testament of why Shia LaBeouf is like a legit actor. Like he can he can do it. Mm-hmm. You know, unfortunately, his skills just wasn't able to see the fucking movie. So he's gone halfway through the fucking movie. It's so stupid, right? Mm-hmm. Because him and David, like Creeper and David, are best friends and they do everything together. And mm-hmm. then. David's like, I don't know what to do because this guy Conejo is here. Mm -hmm. And he was like, I don't know. I don't want to run, but I don't want to like, maybe we should fight. And then that's when Creeper was like, hey, like, I'm here for you. You know, Mm -hmm. I would die for you. And then two seconds later, he dies for him. Like, there was no, not enough time to digest that at all. It was just like. I'm here for you, and now I'm not. Yeah, and they, surprisingly, these people, Creeper and David, who are supposed to be, like, ride or die until the, until the wheels fall off, we don't get any of their backstory. Like, why are they so close? No, and then... <laughs> Creeper got replaced by the fucking Bloods. Yeah, he got, he got replaced by, um... He got replaced by the leader of... <laughs> By the leader of the Bloods, uh, I can't find the actor's name, but it, yeah, he like came in like at the beginning of the third act, and I think well, that no, he was in there a little bit sooner. Oh yeah, he was there at the beginning, but like his character didn't make any his character didn't have a reason to be there until like the third act of the movie. Right. Um, I'm trying to see who the actor was. It Jay Reeves? No, it wasn't Jay Reeves. Um, but yeah, like he's like in there, and it's just like I I felt like. I honestly felt like David Ayer, like, 
Hat Creeper killed him off because like he wanted to have like an emotional punch mm-hmm. or some shit. And then he was like, oh shit, I shouldn't have killed Creeper. <laughs> yeah, like I need someone else to bring some heart into this film because mm. my main guy ain't it. Exactly. And and that's the thing, like uh, David's wife gets killed like at the we end we were laughing yo i mean that was supposed to be like a sad point in moment but we were just laughing because we were just like this is not good at all but if like they if they if they had that then it would have been more like more reason of like oh yo i'm gonna roll with you till the wheels fall off and blah, blah 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 and all that kind of stuff but no they kill creeper like halfway through the movie then they kill david's wife which is supposed to be like it's shot like it's supposed to be like this emotional like oh my god he lost her and all this kind of stuff but it seemed like he didn't really like her that much no. He, he said it, but I didn't feel it. Um, that scene where he discovers his wife, and then he's doing this whole montage of, like, let me clean your body. and Yeah, you your know, dead body and shit. It came off like a fucking music video from Bandamax. Like what? Like a music video from Bandamax. Oh, really? You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah, you yeah, yeah. on that channel? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And are talking about, like, ooh, God. <laughs> In case you don't know what that channel is and you listen... For all those UK people out there, you know, James, (laughs) it's um, a channel kind of like how MTV, well, MTV 2, one of them used to be like all music videos all the time. Yeah, it used to be MTV. And then, uh, so this channel exists and it's like that. Um, It's all like, like Mexican music or like Latino music. Mm-hmm. Um, and it definitely came off like over dramatic, like a novella. Yeah, it was it it was very much like a novella, and yeah, it was like a novella. But like this dude, <laughs> but not a good one. Not a good one. <laughs> I mean, at least a novella, you're just like this is so ridiculous. But this, you enjoy it because it's like your um your guilty pleasure. Yeah, like he, like David, straight up like takes his wife, tries to like wash her her blood soaked body. And during the entire time, he never goes, wait, are my kids safe? <laughs> Hours pass by. Oh, shit. Did you pick up my kids? No. <gasps> dun, 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 dun. Like, dude, you're a horrible father. Man, no, fuck he, you. He wanted the opportunity to lay in the tub with, you know, his wife with the bloody water. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't understand. He got in the tub with her and her body was on top of his, but not like she wasn't laying on him. Mm. Like... You know, like he was, he was like, like bear hugging her from the back. Or something yeah, like exactly. She was just floating on top of him, and he's like screaming, and it was funny. <laughs> his name, uh, his name is uh, Clay Sal- Clay Salone, the guy who who would eventually like help. Um, oh yeah, David. I mentioned him. Oh okay, yeah, 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 and like his whole thing. Oh, he said the same fucking thing too that Creeper said. Like, I'm gonna ride with you to the wheels fall off. Yeah, so that's how you can tell that that was supposed to be fucking Creeper's role. Yeah. You can tell that was supposed to be it. And it would have been more poignant. Obviously, it would have been more poignant if, like, Creeper did die in a blaze of glory because that's what Creeper's all about. But no, how's a di- how does Creeper get killed? They they, kid- they they ambushed him and he got killed by the by a fucking girl Yeah, but that somehow seems to be way more badass than anybody in the whole entire film. Yeah. Which is kind of good, but also bad. Yeah. Well, like, it, I at least want to like her a little bit when I fucking hated her because she was so good at killing everybody. Yeah. And we, we, and like, the funny thing is, like, this movie's supposed to be, like, realistic as fuck, but, like, that dude who played the villain, that was, like, a car, <laughs> the, the antagonist, I'm sorry, that dude was, like, a cartoon villain. His name is, uh, Jose Conio, uh, Conejo, not Conio. Well, fucking Conio, whatever. <laughs> uh, Conejo Martin. 
his character was fucking straight up like super villain. Like, dude, I can't take this movie serious at all anymore. Man, fuck this movie. Um, There's a lot of fucks in this episode, but seriously, <laughs> fuck this movie. So let's get into that, actually, because this is one of those things that Shia LaBeouf's um, misappropriation mm. of like he's white and taking like a Mexican role mm-hmm. didn't even get on the radar for me because something else knocked him off the fucking map. Was it this dude? Not just this dude, mm-hmm. right? This is a conejo, right? Yeah. Okay. And not just conejo, but the fact that he was supposed to represent the devil mm. because he was into um, brujería. Yeah. Which is like, you know, witchcraft and shit. But yeah. like from Latin the from the from Latin America and yeah. shit. And so you have the darkness, and then you have David, who represents the light because he's oh, uh, Catholico, he's Catholic. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you have, like, these little, you know, little scenes when they're running, but they have to stop and pray as a family and all this stuff. And then you have Conejo, who's, like, doing these rituals and shit. Mm-hmm. And that bothered me more than Shia LaBeouf taking that role because... Shia LaBeouf at least can act. But also, you have, like, what's worse than misappropriating, I think, is putting the idea into people's minds that um, Mexican culture is um, inherently evil. Mm-hmm. Or, like, it's something to be scoffed at because it, it's so unrealistic that you can't even take that part of their culture seriously yeah like they totally made it um laughable oh absolutely like it was something to make fun of them for okay so apparently this dude jose uh, conejo martin this dude literally he actually ran from the law for 15 years and when he when he got when the, he got extra he got extradited back to the united states um he found himself against a meandering of a meander of wrongful felony charges and the death penalty fighting the case for two years while remaining behind bars without bail. So this dude is actually like a hardcore, like gangster and shit like that. And like, per- like Danny Trejo used to be. Yeah. 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 And the reason why he's in this movie is, be- is because he was a good friend of David Ayer. Um, but just because you're a good friend of a director doesn't mean you should get, you shouldn't get a role. Cause his, his acting was also atrocious as well. Yeah. Like it was really like, I, I get like, you can sell, you can sell the devil in any culture if that is how you want to view your the character in that culture. But when you come off like wild like that, like essentially monologuing all the fucking time, mm-hmm. you're like straight up Mojo Jojo and Powerpuff Girl. Just, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. I'm just like, yo, man, like fucking kill somebody now, please, or some shit. Yeah. <sighs> it was really irritating for me to watch all that. Honestly, like, if you're going to make it about gangs, make it about gangs. Don't yeah. make it about religion. Mm. Because now you're getting into things that people really care about, especially in that culture. Yeah, and you can, like, if you can do, like, a, a nice mesh of, like, religion and gangster life. Because there are some people who, like, really are into, like, religion, but they're, like, you know, like, Italians would do that stuff. Like, oh, I ain't going to hell. I'm with God, but yet I'm going to do this. Or, like, Mexicans or, or Len people or whatever. They use the whole, like, shield of God or whatever to, like, give them cause or reason why they're not a bad person. But when you're, like, 
essentially fist fucking it into my movie you're just like this is rough i can't do this shit david ayer came into this movie with religion like how john travolta came into um scientology no into face off pretending to be nicholas cage's character you know where he has his arms up and all the doves are flying everywhere oh but see, that was that's so good. Though. I know, this but it's like comically good. <laughs> I like that movie. I'm just saying, like visually, uh-huh. he for me, like I'm drawing a, like a, you know, making fun of it. Mm. All right. Um, so we're gonna get past the fact that his wife died, and then you made mention of something, but we didn't really get into it about the fact that he didn't immediately wonder where the fuck his kids were. Yeah, it just goes it goes back into like the bad writing and the bad directing where like the dude like it, like they you can you can tell David Arrow try to get a, around that by having like the uh sister-in-law to pick up the kids or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I mean realistically, if you find if you do find your partner dead, your next thought is if you have kids with them, your next thought is where are my kids? Let me make sure my kids are safe. Yeah, did my kids get picked up before she died yeah, or after? Like after. Yeah, exactly. And like they don't like literally like there's a time lapse. This is the only time that time lapse actually makes sense. There's a time lapse where it goes hours because it's like from day to night. And mm-hmm. now he's like, oh, let me call my, let me see if I have my kids or <laughs> let me see if my sister in law has my kids. And, and she then does. she's like, no. Yeah, she she even delivers that. No, I haven't picked them up. Wait, weren't you scheduled to like? <laughs> and she's like, "Well, Alexis texted me and said never mind." <laughs> oh my God, like that's simple. <laughs> never mind. Well, like I don't know, but like if some shit was going on and Alexis was having a really hard time digesting the fact that they had to run the way that they were running, they had to mm. take the kids out of school. Like, I would imagine that her lever, level of, oh, fuck, would come through and text yeah. that strongly that her sister would be really fucking suspicious if she changed her mind all of a sudden. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, we didn't get that because this is piss poor writing. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you have anything else? I, I'm, I'm already done with this movie. Do you have anything else you want to discuss about this piece of shit garbage of a film? Yeah. You totally got the ending, and I didn't. I was very confused when oh, the yeah. guy, the wizard, apologizes, and he has like all these pictures of like handprints of like little kids, yeah, you know, like those, family, those grandkids, and shit. Yeah, and, and like he's like, "I'm sorry," and I'm like, "What's he sorry for?" <laughs> yeah, like it's, the reveal is like the wizard, the head of the gang, is like David's father, and that David actually got uh, what's his name. I'm about to call him Conejo again. What's the guy's name? Uh, Conejo. Conejo. They, this dude got Conejo. Let's <laughs> call him Conejo. Yeah, the wizard gets fucking Conejo. <laughs> <laughs> like, brought him in to, like, essentially, like, up in, like, David's life and, like, fuck with him and shit like that. And Conejo fucking, like, just murks David's wife, almost kills his kids and shit like that. And then at the end, like, David comes on top. And then Wizard's like, see, I'm proud of you. You're a fucking fighter. You can do this shit. You know, all that kind of stuff. And I'm just like, yo, dude, you just, like, you almost had your grandkids killed. Like, what the? And not only that, it essentially, like, dismantled his empire. His At least the L.A. part of his empire. The, yeah, the five people that were in his empire. <laughs> yeah. So, like, now these 43 gangs with, like, these, what, like, 20,000 members or some shit like that, they ain't going to, like, listen to the wizard anymore because they're like, yo, he had, like, nobody to back him up. Because yeah. fucking George Lopez gets murked, like, 
like 40 minutes, no, 30 minutes into the movie, George Lopez de- is dead. Yeah. And that was his right hand. Yeah. And not just that, but he did this to his son, and his son is like, you know, like David is like, I don't. He, the way he handled that information coming to him mm-hmm. was so like a child. Like, yeah. he's like, I don't want it. I don't want it. it. He kept saying that, like, I don't want it. And then he, like, hangs up on him, and you're like, okay. Yeah. Why did I fucking watch this movie? Yeah. And, like, the last shot is, like, David, like, looking at the camera. Yeah. Credits. (laughs) Oh, before before we we, we leave. Uncredits. Yeah, (laughs) uncredits. Yeah, the one thing I did like, the one thing I did like is that. Other than, you know. The six seconds of whatever that well that's that's what I was, that's what I was going to talk about there is a six second scene where where David Ayer's directing actually comes to light where the where is one of the reasons why I used to like David Ayer I don't like him anymore now <laughs> um, there's a shootout scene where like these like David and like whoever he's got from like the blood to help him out comes to his room and they're like blasting and stuff like that and it does this cool slow motion shot where it's like like panning to the right and then like dropping down like uh like a pedestal shot and like goes down and it's like this cool like little shot i'm just like all right cool like i'm totally digging on it and then that's it and i'm just like all right i remember why i hate this movie that's it that's that's like the only good thing i'll just mention that that i liked about this movie we need to give you one more thing Hmm. you decide if you love or hate it after this last quote that we're gonna read oh the, the last bit of dialogue yeah all right all right i'm creeper all right you eat Check out the cooler. I got cashews, chicken thighs, cheese, broccoli, and mackerel. Fucking everything. What the fuck is that? What the fuck is this shit? I don't want this shit. Get on my ketogenic meals. I dropped like 10 pounds already. Why not just get a fucking burrito? Because I'm on a mission, dog. Just know this, fool. What's up? Okay. The human body. Yeah. Is a machine. (laughs) Science. Machine needs fuel. <laughs> it's not a good movie, folks. Don't watch this movie. You need fuel to watch it. Like, don't watch it because like it's feel, not worth the I energy. Like, I feel like I feel like I need a bullet to like forget this movie. It's so fucking bad. <sighs> I'm done. Bullets are expensive, you know. Like, they juice your food and everything, but. Oh, shut up. <laughs> shut up. I do have a bullet. <laughs> I go for a juice right now. <laughs> All right, we're done. I'm out. Fuck this shit. <laughs> All right, so since we're fucking this shit, let's go on to variety time. Okay. Try this, not that. Uh huh. You want me to go first? Yeah, yes, please go first. I have discovered on Netflix um, this show called Connected, mm-hmm. The Hidden Science of Everything. Mm-hmm. And the whole idea of it, of it is to give you science and history, but mostly science, mm. and kind of tell you how everything is connected, like how we're connected. Um, and it kind the premise kind of sounds douchey when you think about it, but like in actual 
um, like execution. Okay. It's actually like really good, and and the host is cute. Like not <laughs> okay. Not cute like, like I want to date him, but like mm-hmm. cute like he's so fucking amazed by everything. He's a goddamn nerd, and his kid is even in the first episode. Okay. What's 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 the premise of? What's the premise of the show? I just said it. Like everything's connected, like oh I know, you I know, know through science and history and everything. Oh okay, okay. No, because I was looking at the IMDb page; it gives a bit of a more detail. It even gives the um, the invest- the journalist's name. That's why. No, oh, well, you didn't actually link that. So I don't have to link shit. <laughs> um, Just read it since you have it open. I can't say the dude's name though. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh. Hold, I'm, I'm just gonna open it right now. Hold okay. on. Okay. Yeah, I remember you telling me about this show. And, oh, Lat- uh, Latif Nasser. That's his name. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Um, and it says science journalist Latif Nasser investigates the surprising and intricate ways in which we are connected to each other, the world, and the universe. Mmm. Connected. <laughs> Somehow, I don't know how, mm-hmm. I had never watched this show, and I know nobody else did. I think it just barely got released, like, this past weekend. Well, the funny thing is, I was like, mm-hmm. oh, let me watch this. And mm-hmm. I put it on, and it didn't start on episode one, and it didn't start on episode two, mm-hmm. or three. It started on episode, no, it did start on three. Mm-hmm. It started on the third episode, so I didn't even know, <laughs> like, what the first episode was, mm-hmm. and I had to go back and watch it. But, like, you don't have to really watch them in order, do you? No, no, you don't have to, but... Okay. It blew my fucking mind. It, that's what I'm saying. It doesn't matter how they set it up for you. Like, mm-hmm. if you love science, like I do, mm-hmm. you're gonna find this thing amazing. Okay. Um, well, give give me a, give a little bit of a description of one of the episodes. Uh, there was one he did on Benford's Law. Okay. Benford's Law is um, basically. It was discovered by someone whose last name wasn't Benford. This guy discovered it before Benford did, did, but Benford got the credit for it. But this Mm -hmm. guy went into, like, a library, and before calculators, there were these books called logarithms. Mm -hmm. Um, And he noticed that only certain pages were worn, Mm -hmm. um, and not the rest of them. And then he kind of discovered that if you start... Uh, with a set of numbers, you know, like random numbers mm. that are connected to something. Um, for some reason, like one through nine, you would think that they had an 11.1% chance each of being the first digit in a number. Mm-hmm. And it's not true. That number like decreases, right? One has a 30% <clears throat> chance and then it l- largely drops off in a huge slope. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like they, they discovered that this is like pretty much true for almost everything. Um, say they can actually use this for like finding out if people are lying on their taxes and like a pattern or something like that. Yeah. And, and it's so like even Mozart and like different musicians, like you can actually apply it to them and like Mm -hmm. their music is actually following the same scale. Yeah, the um the Benford's law. It was it's named after Benford's law after after the physicist Frank Benford, who stated in the paper in 1938. Um, but it was actually originally st- previously stated by Simon Newcomb because I remember yeah. they bring that up in that episode because I, mm-hmm. I saw it as well. Um, and it blew my like it blew my mind. Like this one lady mm-hmm. who's a professor, 
she actually discovered a network of Russian bots using this thing on social media. Yeah, like... And that blew my mind. Yeah, I was, like, I, like I, I, I'm not much of a science nerd like Kelsey is, but whenever it is, whatever science is thrown at me or something interesting, I'm just like, yo, I'm all ears. I want to, because I love information. And you pointed me to this episode, and, you were, and after watching it, um... Yeah, I sorry. I it was weird because they he was he, they were talking about how like there is like a constant pattern, and it's not even just like in music or like in figure out taxes, but it's actually like a universal kind of pattern like in nature. In nature, yeah. like you'll find that in nature too. Yeah, I think that's cool. Like some people will say that the reason why number one, like the number one, is thirty percent, you know, over all the other numbers, mm. um, is because a lot of the digits that are in the first, you know, like 20 numbers of the whole scale, mm-hmm. like half of them start with the number one. Yeah. So, um, but that's kind of like, it depends on how you use it, I guess. Um, okay. Now what were, <laughs> there's an episode they talk about poop, right? <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's, let's go back to the poop. <laughs> you know, I remember the episode was out of poop and I'm like, why yeah and you were kind of like they have a poop episode i'm like yeah because they knew i was gonna watch it (laughs) um it's not just about poop it's about like how we are actually polluting the environment with more than just plastic Mm -hmm. like if you take antidepressants then the fish are eating like all of this these chemicals that are in your poop basically yeah and like you're talking about like medication and drugs and stuff like that Mm -hmm. right yeah and they're actually able to um like they were at the the thames river basically Mm -hmm. they were taking samples of the river because they Mm -hmm. said even though they came up with a sewer system way back when um you know whenever there's a huge storm Mm -hmm. sewage backs up into the river anyway Mm -hmm. um and they said they were able to um actually find out by taking samples every day which days of the week people are more likely to do certain drugs oh wow (laughs) like they're like cocaine pretty even across the board every (laughs) single day of the week yeah that could could be an everyday drug yeah but like ecstasy that's a weekend drug it's definitely a weekend drug and like people aren't taking it during the week but then you'll see a spike on like friday saturday oh wow so like you know so they're able to like kind of figure that out too but Mm -hmm. then um it's really interesting how they uh, how they talk about, like, all the different things that are happening, like, what's in your poop and, like... Um, like the ripple effect of that and everything. Not just the ripple effect, but, like, how different it was. Like, they found the oldest poop. <laughs> okay. The oldest one in a cave. Wow. It's, like, 50,000 years old. And they're able to find bacteria in it that that basically suggests that those people are healthier than we are. Oh, wow. They have more, you know, like a microbiome that's more robust than we do now Mm. because we put all this shit in our bodies. Yeah. Um, Pun intended. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, like, it's really cool. And they just Mm. do this whole arc. And it's really, you know, they even go to outer space and talk about all the 97 bags of poop and pee that are out there and now oh, they want to wow. go back like 50 or 60 years later to see yeah. if anything is still alive and how we might contaminate like planets and things in outer space oh okay oh yeah i gotta i i did watch the benford laws episode benford's law episode um there's that one on surveillance i want to check out and the other one about the about cloud i want to watch the cloud one because i didn't 
Like, I played it, but I didn't watch it because I was working. Mm-hmm. Um, but the surveillance one's pretty interesting. Okay. Uh, totally, thoroughly bored my younger my younger daughter. <laughs> where um, where can you watch uh, the show? On Netflix. Netflix. Okay, Connected, The Hidden Science of Everything. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, I checked out this show called, um, it's called Giri, Giri Haji. That's how you said it, right? Giri Haji? Mm-hmm. Which translates to duty, duty slash uh, shame. Um, this is also on Netflix. This is actually a BBC Channel Two production, and Netflix picked it up and distributed it through their streaming service. And I remember my brother told me about this. He was like, "Oh, you gotta check this out." Blah blah. blah. And I'm kind of like iffy when it comes to like his selection because he can go like either or. Um, so this one is follows this detective whose name uh, Kenzel Kenzel Mori mm-hmm. who. Uh, he's a detective in Tokyo and uh, somebody important in a Yakuza family gets murdered in London and supposedly like, his, his brother's involved but his brother's been dead for a year so he has to go to London and find out if his brother's alive, what's the involvement and this whole kind of like mystery starts to unravel now the first few episodes is a lot of character building you get an idea of who Kenzo is. You get an idea of who his brother Yudo was. Uh, this is Detective Sarah and even like the daughter Taki, uh, Kenzo's daughter. But the movie slowly transforms into like this whole like like it starts off as a murder mystery, and through the character building, it turns into this whole thing of like knowing yourself and like life and then like the things you will to do to like get back to the ones you love mm-hmm. and like discovering who you are as a person and you follow and you stick with um stick with the character sarah you stick with uh kenzo uh yudo um rodney rodney and taki and like how these people are connected in some way and i remember i'm like watching it and there's a fourth episode where it's essentially like an entire the fourth episode is almost an entire gunfight um and there are like parts of the gunfight where you get like backstory mm-hmm. onto one of the characters. And then at the end of the episode, you see how they're all connected, like through chance and like probability and ripples and in, in, in the universe and stuff like that. And I went, holy shit, I think this must, I think this might be one of the greatest shows I've ever watched. <laughs> and I'm just like, I was totally involved, totally invested in the story, right? <clears throat> and that's about the time I started watching it. Yeah. And like, <laughs> I'm no, still behind. No lie. Like, after that fourth episode, I like text Kelsey, like, oh my God, you gotta watch this show. Holy shit. And I text my brother, like, dude, you're fucking right. The show's fucking amazing. Like, everything, right? And, um, let me, let me just mention who the creator is. Uh, the create is created by Joe Barton. And like I said, you just, you just follow these people and it like kind of like, flips the personalities and shit like where you're like you're you believe kenzo you're like on kenzo's side you think like his brother's like a childish brat and everything but then it's the it starts re, starts flipping mm-hmm. it starts flipping you're just like holy shit like my whole like belief of these characters is completely different mm-hmm. and no lie and like, that's hard to do it's hard to t- it's really hard to do like you go in one idea of one of a character and the fact that you are almost on the exact opposite side of how you feel about that character and it's not like in a cheap shot like the like certain characters didn't do anything that was like too extreme that you're just like oh it takes me out no you're just like you're the steady process and that's a testament to the writer oh yeah absolutely and there's a scene like there's like 10 minutes in the in the there's 10 minutes in the final episode and i think like there's a five minute window before those 10 minutes and it 
it just it stops like everything that i'm watching it like chop stops and shifts to a completely different genre doesn't take me out but it speaks volumes of like what this show was about Mm -hmm. and like the turmoil and the struggles that all these characters are dealing with on the inside i like i I stared my jaw was agape i was just like oh (laughs) i like it got to the end i rewound it watched it again and i started crying because it was so beautifully done it Mm. was so fucking amazing i know you actually text me i'm crying yeah (laughs) (laughs) it was so good and the way how it ended i'm just like Oh my god! I need a second season. <laughs> like I need a second season of this show. If and they did they announce one or no? No, nah, like the I think the show dropped maybe like two or three weeks ago or something like that. But they, I'm sorry, it was produced in 2019, but it didn't come to Netflix till 2020. Um, but there's no news if there's gonna be a second. I would be fine if actually they don't do a second season because the way the way how they ended it ended kind of like it ended on a realistic but somewhat on a happy note. Um, but it was just, it was so amazing. I think I might rewatch it. It was so good. It was like, and there's even cool like styles of like storytelling that they do mm-hmm. or like subtle ways of how they do like a cool like camera trick and stuff like that. Like there's a part where like a character says these words like, oh, you owe me to another character. And the way how they explain how those words ring, ring loudly in that character's head, mm-hmm. they display it on the shot. But not in a very like out of like oh that oh like not like a very superimposed kind of shot or anything mm-hmm. that really sticks out. You're just like you owe me, and the way how like this guy would visualize it to towards this character saying that to them, mm-hmm. it's so brilliantly done. Yeah, and it's like one little part. I'm just like that's so good, like <laughs> <laughs> so good. Um, yeah, and the the performance, top notch acting, top notch acting all over. Everybody, everybody, everybody. Oh my god, it's so fucking good. And it's such an amazing show. Like, this dude, I gotta see, I, I have not looked at this guy's uh, password, Joe Barton, but whatever he does next, I'm fucking there. That mm-hmm. dude has made me a fan, because I'm a huge, the one thing I look for when it comes to anything is, like, writing. That, like, if the writing sucks, you're you're fucking up with me already. Well, hey. Hmm. Somebody has to take the place of David Ayer. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Um. Oh, no wonder why I like this guy's writing. <gasps> he did. Oh, okay. This dude, he's he's done this. He did this movie called The Ritual that was really good. Um, and he did a show called Humans that I heard is actually pretty dope too. Now I gotta get this guy's. I gotta get into his past work because mm-hmm. this dude's writing was oh fucking amazing, mm-hmm. <laughs> absolutely amazing. Um, but yeah, that's on Netflix. Highly. Highly, highly, highly recommend. If you want a great story with some great acting, remember, there's not a whole lot of action. There's maybe like one or two action scenes, mm-hmm. and they're not really that great. Um, it's, 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 just, it's just really good. It's so, I can't wait for you to finish it so we can just like talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, no, I can't. I honestly get irritated when you start watching something mm. or I start watching something and the other person isn't there. Mm-hmm. Like, not here physically, but I mean, like, they're yeah, in the story. Place, yeah. Because, um, like, I want to know what you want to talk about. Like, I know that there's something there, and you can't mm-hmm. tell me, so, like, we're not talking about it. Okay. Or, like, you know, like, how I was watching... We were watching Euphoria yeah, together, and already, then, like, and I watched it, and I'm like, oh, shit, now I've already kind of forgotten it. And if you watch it, I'm like, 
okay. Like, I don't really want to talk about it now. Oh, fine. You know, I have to watch it again to get to that point. But, like, that's what I hate. I need to, like, now I just need to watch it. It just sucks because I can't watch it with the kids. (laughs) Though I did show Cameron Pet Cemetery the (laughs) other day. (laughs) All right. What else have we got on the uh, Tries Not That? We have Perry Mason on HBO Max. Um, It's created by Ron Fitzgerald and Roland Jones. Um, And it stars Matthew Reese, Juliet Rylance, uh, Chris Chalk, Tatiana Maslany, and Shea Wiggum. You want to go first? Sure. Okay. Um, I don't know anything about Perry Mason, Mm -hmm. you know, before watching this. Yeah. Um, And what surprised me the most, I guess, about it is that it is definitely a period piece. Mm-hmm. Um, Takes place like in 1938 after the First World War. Mm-hmm. Mm. And um, so even though it's a period piece, it isn't so old timey that mm. you can't get behind it. But I'm totally loving the cinematography. Oh, yeah. And like beautiful. the colors and everything. It just feels pretty authentic. Mm-hmm. Um, aside from that, um, Perry Mason... Like, his character, I love his character because he, though he doesn't always know how to get from point A to point B, Mm -hmm. he knows, like, right from wrong, and he really wants to help people. Yeah. Um, And then there's all this inner turmoil and outer turmoil and all these different obstacles that Mm -hmm. him and everybody else are trying to get across. Um, And then there's, like, this religious aspect. Yeah, I thought... I thought that whole religious aspect of the story. I was like, "Why are they showing this?" And but like they 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 were able to like connect that pretty well. With, like with, I like how they did it because it's not your typical like white person boring church. Yeah, like it was a church full of zealots. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and like you would, what you would think they're gonna be dancing with like fucking snakes and shit. Yeah. Um, it was, it's like, it's like how animated, and I've never been to one, but how you say how animated, like, black churches are. Yeah, like, like nomination churches, But, yeah. like, if, if, you know, like, the black people church, mm-hmm. like, if those are, like, the good, and then... <laughs> the lively one? No, the good, and ah. then this church in Perry Mason is, like, evil. <laughs> okay. You know, like, yeah. you know, all happy and dancing and light, and then mm. this church over here is, like all corrupt and but still loud and animated yeah. like they're about to you know speak in tongues and shit yeah yeah with, yeah they do um i like i like all the clash of like you know what's right and wrong but also like people don't really know what's right and wrong like they're still guessing mm-hmm. at everything yeah um so uh Anyways, uh, no, I'm, I'm trying to figure out because I know I'm rambling and I know you're just kind of like, uh-huh, uh-huh. No, no, um, I'm listening. Let me tell you what the show's actually about. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> it follows a detective who basically makes his money hmm. taking pictures. A private investigator, yeah. Yeah. He's a private investigator, but he works for like a lawyer. Yeah. Um, And... They end up getting this case because this baby was found on uh, Angel's flight. Yeah, in Los Angeles. In Los yeah. Angeles. Um, and the baby was dead and it had its eyes sewn shut. Mm-hmm. 
So they are basically now trying to figure out who killed the baby. Um, and like, it's this huge, like really intricate story of like who actually did it and And why they did it and and why they did it. Um, and now he, he has to basically try and save someone from dying because, you know, being executed for a crime that they probably didn't commit. Yeah. Um, yeah, the the private investigator Kelsey was referring to was is actually Perry Mason, which I it kind of it took me it took me aback for a second because um, growing up I used to watch those old Perry Mason episodes with my mom, and for anybody who's into Perry Mason, they know well Perry Mason is a lawyer. Why is he a private investigator? Well, you can consider this as, as kind of like the prequel mm-hmm. to him becoming a lawyer, um, and like you get uh, you get a bit of his backstory, like it's like his involvement in war one and like his alcoholism and stuff like that and how he's like this really broken character well yeah he's living on his old family farm in the middle of an airstrip and the woman who owns the airstrip is trying to take the land from him that he feels is his because his parents are still buried there yeah and he's also sleeping with her yeah. Like so it's kind of like a um, weird juxtaposition. Yeah. So like the characters the the characters in the in the show are really good. Like um Matthew Reeves is Paramation is like fucking phenomenal. Originally this was supposed to be um uh starring Robert Downey Jr., but he stepped back and just decided to become like an E P for the show. Which I think was a great idea. Because it would have like Like I think he would have been great, but like yeah. we've already seen him as a detective and and you know as um sherlock holmes yeah he probably yeah it would have been like he might he might have brought too much charisma to the story yeah and if not he would have been like oh this is like a a depressing sherlock holmes or something like that um but one of the characters that i like a whole lot and i think kelsey might agree with this is the guy who um i think his name is chris chalk the guy who played paul drake yeah yeah and he plays like and they actually he plays this black cop in los angeles um and they actually get into the the whole thing about like racism and the police force and all this kind of stuff like that. So they kind of like cover about three different avenues. Um, well, well, maybe four, but they merge well, like into like the last episode of the season. And I remember when Kelsey and I started watching this, we we're just kind of like, eh, it looks pretty and the acting's good, but like, why am I really watching this? It, we wanted to actually do. A like, series of segments, you know, every time it came out, yeah. we wanted to do like an, episode an episode like we did for um, Westworld. Yeah. But we're like, mm, maybe it's not special enough. Yeah. And it, it takes a, it takes a minute, but by episode, what, three or something mm-hmm. like that, it's just like, oh, shit, all right. Like, now I'm in it. Yeah, now we're invested. Um, which is, obviously, we're not the only ones who think that because it got greenlit for a second season. Yeah. Which we're totally, like, happy about because we're like, cool, we can get more of this. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a great show. It's an HBO produced show. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like it. I su- I'm surprised how much I do like it. Yeah, me too. Um, yeah, anything else you want to add on? Uh, just that I think the best episode is the penultimate one. Mm-hmm. And um, I can't really talk about the last yeah, episode. Yeah, we don't want to spoil it, yeah. But I definitely, um, I think me and you... Like can kind of see each other's side of it, but kind of disagree with each other. Yeah, well, yeah, we we obviously have. Would our, you like it better when we disagree with each other? <laughs> yeah, because it opens up for like a discussion. It's not just like an echo chamber. Like I liked it, I liked it, I hate it, I hate it. <laughs> <You know. laughs> um, yeah, but when I laugh like I just did, you're not laughing like me too. 
Yeah, that'd be totally creepy if I did, though. No, you gotta do it. <laughs> Is that it? <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Uh, I think we're good. Are we done? Yeah, we're done. All right, what's up next? Uh, next, we have our geriatric cinematic to live and die in LA. I'm gonna bag Rick Masters. We got a chance to make him on a hand to hand buy. You can't come up with the front money. You're not for real. You're not the first agents to get next to Masters. You're not wired, are you? This came out in 1985, and the synopsis is a fearless Secret Service agent will stop at nothing to bring down the counterfeiter who killed his partner. Directed by William Friedkin, who did Killer Joe, Sorcerer, and The Exorcist. Written by Gerald Petovich, uh, William Friedkin, and Gerald Petovich also. Oh, yeah, um, Petovich did the novel and worked on the screenplay. Yeah. Okay. Um, it was... Uh, it starred William Peterson, Willem Dafoe, John Pankow, Deborah Fuhrer, John Turturro, and Darlene Flugel. Flugel! <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so To Live and Die L.A., um, confession time. Uh, I had never seen this movie beforehand, but I've heard, I heard about it a lot. Especially because it's by William Freakin, who's a, a great director. I mean, this dude... He he created The Exorcist. I'm surprised he's still alive. Yeah, that dude's, the dude's fucking old as shit. Yeah, um, Exorcist is actually the only film that probably actually still scares me. Like after seeing it like four or five times, it still scares the crap out of me. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, so I so I was actually really happy to check this out because I heard how great it was. Mm. But the important opinion is mm. Kelsey's. What did you think about this movie? Um, I am on the fence. Okay, all right. It was, for me, mm-hmm. sort of long and drawn out in too many places, so it was mm. kind of boring. Okay. But it had some really great twists. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, like, I can't hate, like, I don't hate the movie, mm-hmm. and I really enjoyed the twists, and I'm mm-hmm. glad I watched it. But I am... Not gonna watch it again. Okay. Um, all right. I'm gonna I'm I'm go ahead and jump in and like, say like, like I would love to see a remake. I think they could hmm. remake this one and it would be amazing. Yeah, you probably you could remake this. I wouldn't think. I think if you remade it now, it would be bad though, because they would try to make it too much action like too well much. they would probably modernize it a little bit yeah. but i don't i can't you can't just say just because it would be too much action or whatever it wouldn't mm. be good yeah i know but i feel like i don't know i i, I feel like that um it would kind of lose the, what the what the film was trying to say um especially how you have uh Peter, william peterson who's like the secret service agent who comes off as like a hot-headed kind of cop but like I mean, hot-headed secret service agent but like a good one you know his partner gets killed by william defoe's character so he's like going to get revenge he's gonna bring him down but like as the movie progresses, he like slowly becomes like as bad as the bad guy i think that'd be perfect for nowadays i know but see that's the thing like i feel like direct certain directors now they wouldn't be able to 
convey that message well. They would be like, oh, we just want we want to replicate like the car chase scene that happened near the end of the movie. No, like they would be too focused on that. That's because you need the guy that did. Um, Which guy? Rabbit, the Jojo Rabbit. Oh, uh, Taka Waititi? Mm-hmm. You would turn this into a comedy. No, I wouldn't. Not everything he does is comedy. I'm, I'm sorry? Kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> You're like, yeah, Jojo Rabbit was like Schindler's List. Totally. No, um, what if they... I'm I'm sure there's a director that's out there mm. that could do it. Yeah, I'm, yeah, there would... Uh, you know what? I think if they I think if they did a remake this, it would be like a much grittier version. A much like realistic version mm-hmm. um because don't get me wrong there are a couple times during the movie i was just like whoa this is the, this this is a movie of its time there's like very like supposed to be like uh interpretive dance scenes and stuff like that <laughs> um which is like really fucking pretty wild and the, some of the and I, then like there's a guy kneeling naked in front of a fire oh william defoe yeah. yeah i was just like why are we doing that shot or like there's like <laughs> he's like recording himself having sex with somebody and stuff like that mm-hmm. which is which is i'm like okay why are we doing this like you can tell like william freegan was trying to have like some really artistic merit in this film that didn't really need it mm-hmm. because it seemed like like I almost picture like this would be like I know you you've never seen it but this kind of reminds me like it would be like Beverly Hills Cop but like grittier and more serious. Yeah. Because the way how the action plays out, the vulgarity of of the language, even like some of the shootouts which can come off very fucking bloody. Mm-hmm. This would be like a darker version of Beverly Hills Cop. This would be like Los Angeles Cop. Da-da-da-da. Like all that <laughs> kind of stuff. Um la corruption <laughs> um but i i did like it i actually really did enjoy it. i thought that i thought the soundtrack was fucking dope i know you're just like oh but i was loving I hated that soundtrack. every single song except for <laughs> one that i actually really liked like i, I hated uh, everything and loved one and uh, that was it there was nothing in between see i i really like the soundtrack i like soundtrack so much that i drunk bought the vinyl versions and as soon as it came in the mail i was like yeah, I'm just go ahead and return this. I don't really need this vinyl. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I'm gonna say the reason why I don't like that kind of music is mm. because there is so much treble in the yeah. sounds and the percussions. It hurts my ears no matter yeah. what the volume is, and I just can't. It just makes me want to murder somebody. And you, you like that kind of uh, synth type music, but like. Your ears can only take so much of like. Well, it's got to be like synth wave. Like yeah. it can't be like you know '80s pop percussion bullshit. It's mm. got to be like the synth part of it that I like. Okay, I think that's what and I was liking about it. Yeah. That one song had like enough enough synth and not as much. Which song? I don't know which one it was. <laughs> okay. But it was the one that I said I liked when it came on. I was like, oh, I like that song. Oh, okay. You know, because. I don't know all the songs in the universe. Oh, um, okay. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry you don't. But you know that there's a pattern. <laughs> <laughs> I do. And they mostly start with one. Um, so, but that's why I don't like the music. Because it literally, it's like nails on a chalkboard to me. Really? It, like it, It's like mm. when you tell the girls repeatedly chew with your mouth closed mm. like i just can't take it gotcha oh okay that makes sense um what did you think of the what did you think of the performance is there anybody that stuck out stood out with you um the informant slash prostitute was uh ruth right that yeah. Was yeah really pretty mm-hmm. 
Um, like um, sometimes I'm really surprised because sometimes the actresses are so dated, mm-hmm. like with their hair and makeup, like you can't see anything but their age. Yeah. And she could have played in a movie now. Oh yeah, I I, I get I can see that. That's why like I always get kind of excited when I see someone like that because I'm like wow like she's probably like classic. Mm, okay. Um, John Turturro's character was real interesting. Yeah, he was in this movie. I was like, yo, that fucking young-ass John Turturro. He must be like yeah. in his 20s in this movie. And, he, and it wasn't a Spike Lee film. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, he wasn't like spouting like nigga, nigga, nigga and shit like that. Yeah. Um, I, but it's so funny because he always has this one, like this wild look on his face with mm. the one big eye open and everything. Mm. And he does that in like all his films. And like... But he was doing it in this one, too. And I was like, okay, it's just John Turturro being John Turturro. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Willem Dafoe. I I have to say that the more I see his work, the more I like him. Willem Dafoe is a phenomenal act. I'm surprised that dude has not won an Oscar. Didn't we say that about the one guy who played um, hmm. against Perry Mason? As the other on the other side of the prosecutor. Oh, Stephen Root. Yeah, Stephen Root is another character, great character actor. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> they both should probably be in a movie together, and then they'll get Oscars. Oh, someone's notification has popped up. <laughs> oh, they have been in a movie together. Have they? Yeah. Oh, brother, where art thou? Were they both in that movie? Stephen Root played the blind DJ, yeah. and John Turturro played the younger it, the younger brother. No, Willem Dafoe. Oh, William Defoe. Okay, I'm sorry. I, I'm I'm still stuck on John Turturro. <laughs> Though I showed you, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Because you didn't see that movie, and I love that fucking movie. Yeah, I was avoiding that movie for some reason, but that was a good choice. Yeah. But back, but back to. Uh... <laughs> oh shit, we're in a tight spot. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go on. <laughs> um, I don't really have anything else to say about the actors themselves because mm-hmm. I honestly was pretty bored for most of it nothing with what nothing that william peterson did that stuck out stuck out with you he to me was just pretty average like anybody could have played his role and honestly we kind of drew comparisons between this one and lethal weapon yeah there, there's there's a lot of similarities with this film which is pretty odd um how uh william peterson he plays like this hot, this hot-headed type of guy uh, or uh, police enforcer and whatever, and it kind of reminds me of Riggs. His partner, who literally says that he's like two days from retirement, reminds me of Danny Glover's character. There's, uh, there's subtle differences. Well, not subtle. There's great differences. <laughs> one's black and one is white. Yeah, one's white. <laughs> one's black. One's white. One dies. One does it, and everything like that. Um, but they both say, "I'm getting too old for this shit." Yeah, and like how like it seems like this would be a version of *Lethal Weapon* if like Murtaugh died at the beginning and Briggs went after the bad guy. Yeah. Um. One one thing that I didn't know until I just saw it. Speaking of Perry Mason and Robert Downey Jr. was supposed to star in that movie. Robert Downey Jr.'s dad, Senior, was in To Live and Die in L.A. Really? He played uh, he played um, Witcher Chance's superior, the guy who would not like budge on like giving him that money. Oh wow! That was that's that was Robert Downey Senior. Fuck that guy. <laughs> yeah, he just gave him the money. They wouldn't have gone through that, all that shit. Well, also fuck him in real life because you know what. I think, isn't he part of the reason why uh, Robert Downey Jr. 
is oh, the way all he fucked is. up because he grew up in like Hollywood. That's just how. Oh, I of, thought he was a bad guy. Like, um, no, Robert Downey Sr. was Woody Harrelson's dad or whatever. Oh, yeah, Woody Harrelson's dad is a serial killer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, no, no. I'm sorry. He was a hitman. He was a hitman. Yeah. Uh, no, Robert Downey Sr. was a he was an independent director. That's, oh. that's why that's why Robert Downey Jr. got a lot of uh he got away with a lot because his father was so like in Hollywood and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, what was it? Oh yeah, but you said you, nothing with Woody Peterson really stuck out with you, right? Not nothing really did. He was just a guy on a mission. Mm-hmm. That's it. He wasn't a bad actor. He uh-huh. just wasn't special. I would see. I would have to disagree with that. I think William Peterson's performance was really was really great in the movie. Um, it was really. I really liked. I really. One thing I I did not like is I wish him and William Defoe's character had a lot more screen time screen time together. They really don't interact until like maybe about the close to the beginning of the third act. Um, but it seemed like they would kind of be great going back and forth, like like a whole cat and mouse kind of thing. Mm. Like they don't share any screen time for most of the film, but it seems like it'd be perfect for them to really try to duke it out and see who like comes out on top. Um, and I also liked how William Peterson's character, William Peterson's character, how his descent into like, you know, antagonist to like slowly going into the pro. I mean, sorry, he starts off as the protagonist, 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 sl- protagonist, yeah. And he just slowly starts becoming like the villain. Like at one point, um, the Darlene Frugal Frugal character, um, how like. You swear like they're boyfriend and girlfriend, and you find out like that's really his informant, and the fact that like he just like uses her for sex and information, and he becomes more of an asshole. Yeah, but I think that has a lot more to do with how he was written than how he was acting in that role. Mm. Like, he's not doing those things because he's a good actor. He's doing mm. those things because that's what was written for him. Okay. You know what I'm saying? So mm. like, yeah, I do really enjoy that switch, but I think that has a lot more to do with Gerald. Uh, Petovich and mm-hmm. Willem Freakin. Oh, and their writing? And their writing, yeah. Then it, and then it does to do with his acting. Like, mm. literally, you could put somebody else in that role, and he would do those same things, and that switch would still happen. Probably, probably. But, like, after, like, watching, I think, I, like, you, you're, I would say you're right. You probably could get somebody else to do it. Like, nothing to mind. Well, nothing too crazy. Like, you definitely wouldn't want, like, a Mel Gibson in there. Yeah, you wouldn't want, I was thinking, like, Pacino, but you wouldn't want a Pacino, because Pacino would be overselling the shit out exactly. of it. Exactly. Maybe, damn, who could they get? Um, no, you know what? Mm. Robert De Niro would have been good because he can be. I was thinking Robert De Niro, but see, he would have been too much of a trying to be like a tough guy. This guy is. No, no, like, like, like William Peterson came off as more of like a firecracker. Oh, okay. And Robert De Niro would just been like, you know, I'm a gangster. I'm gonna fuck you up like that. Like Uh, he he would have been too calm mm -hmm. to 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 do that role. Gotcha. Maybe they could have swapped the roles. Maybe like William Defoe could have been that character. And obviously, he's he would have probably been too young at the time. Mm-hmm. Chris Evans. Oh yeah, Chris Evans is a teenager. Totally. Mickey no, Mouse but Club. I meant like now, you know. Yeah. Oh yeah, I can, yeah, I can picture that. Because of, of what he did in Ready or Not, like I really think he could switch. Ready or not. Not Ready or Not. Um, Knives Out. Mm. Oh yeah, I can picture that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can totally picture that. Um. What did you think about the directing? Um, I would have to say that because I thought the movie was so slow, mm-hmm. I'm not totally in love with it. Mm. 
and I didn't really find any super amazing shots. There mm. weren't very many of those. Okay. I know there were a couple, but um, but it was just like some of it could have been cut out or mm. rearranged or something. Um, there are there are a couple shots that I really I really do like that came out. One shot is um when um William Peterson and John uh, Pekov were like trying to get away. There was that car chase scene, and there's that scene where like uh, the back windshield gets a bullet through it and it gets shattered. Mm-hmm. But the camera, you see like oh, it comes from outside and yeah, goes inside. Yeah, and you see like his eye right mm-hmm. looking into it. I thought that was a pretty cool shot. I not just that shot, but the entire car thing. Yeah, had me on the edge of my seat. That was a great car chase. Yeah. Yeah, because um, you were already knowing that some shit is going down, mm-hmm. but now they got to get away, and they think they get away, and then they don't, and then mm-hmm. like they're they're like gonna get hit by a fucking train and all kinds of shit and like and it goes on for a while and yeah. i really like that because you really feel like you're not gonna get away from them yeah i thought it was cool how like william freaking like he has he has what's essentially like one car follow like chasing after him mm-hmm. and then as like when they think they're getting away it's like i don't know where like more cars are following them there are people looking like shooting at him and stuff and they're like what the fuck is going on where all these people come from i was like that too like that, that exactly. was weird. i thought that was bad writing at I first th- but th- i it could that's the thing it could have been bad writing but like that revealed that the that the guy they 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 killed they had an accident killing was like um like a special agent yeah a special agent like an fbi agent i remember you and i were just like <gasps> Oh shit! And I'm like, now it makes sense why everyone was chasing them yeah. like that. Like, yeah. that was weird, and then it made sense. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> one thing I really have to applaud this movie for doing, really applaud. It's it it, it killed its main character. Yeah. Look, okay, the 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 antagonist, the protagonist gets shot before the bad guy gets shot. Yeah. And I was just like, love this movie. Fuck yeah. More of that, please. <laughs> and then the commentary of someone always coming in to take someone else's place because his partner, mm. who was more straight-laced, now all of a sudden is like, okay, now you're going to be my informant and yeah. we're going to have sex too. <laughs> yeah, he tell, yeah, he told that to the, the Darlene character. And it was it was really fucked up because like she was like trying to get out. She was trying to get this money to like leave LA because she was sick of this shit and everything. I think she had a kid, but yeah, like, she, she didn't kid. see the kid very often. Or yeah, because the kid was with like the father. And, like, when she tried to get out, like, uh, John uh, Panko's character, who was who was the very straight-laced, like, we got to follow the rules by the book, and slowly falls into, like, descent of, like, going to, like, um, Richard Chance's, like, point of view. And then when we, like, he turns into the, he turns to William Peterson, William Peterson's character, even, like, carries, like, the demeanor with, like, the jacket, and then, like... How even like a toothpick in his mouth and everything. He just like, yeah, you're my informant now, which is like really fucked up. Yeah. Um. So there was there were some things that I liked about it. Mm-hmm. I just wasn't totally in love with the whole thing. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think that's all I have to say about it. I mean, I I like I said, I I really like it. I would totally re- I would totally watch this again. Kelsey, what you say? No. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to watch it again. Do you think it still holds up or you're just like, nah? I want to see it remade. I don't think I don't think it holds up. Mm. Like, I was so bored. Oh, okay. I, would, I wouldn't mind see, seeing the movie remade, if done right. Done, yeah, if done right. Yeah. It, it does have a lot of opportunity for falling short, though. Yeah. Like, especially if you get, like, Jamie Foxx involved. It seems like he, it's not because he's a bad actor, because he's a good actor, but he doesn't tend to 
find the roles that fit him well. Yeah, the good roles. Um, yeah, I think that's about it. Anything else? We'll be done. We're good. And we're done. We're good. All right, folks, we want to thank you all for joining us this week. Um, you can find all you can find this episode and all past epi- past episodes on all podcast catchers wherever you download them. Um, we want to make sure you guys are safe. Wear your fucking mask. Wash your damn hands. This pandemic should have been done a while ago, but our incompetent president, or I'm sorry, Trump, I don't want to call him our president because he ain't mine, can't do his job right. So fuck that guy and his administration. Anyway. <laughs> this is Mark and the Political Hour. Yeah, the Political <laughs> on Hour. On NPR. Yeah, just me just swearing again. <laughs> fuck. Um, so next week we are off. There will not be a new episode next week. However, um, the following week, which is... What's that following week? It's like August. Oh, the following week. Um, August. 20th. Sorry. <laughs> What's that week in August? Oh, yeah, that week. August. August. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, will, we will be back um, on, in August, on August 20th or 21st. Um, Tesla coming out. Tesla is coming out. The IFC film Tesla is coming out on VOD. That is going to be our recent review. And we're going to go ahead and match that up with uh, our Jared Cinematic, which will actually be The Prestige. Um, the Christopher Nolan film. Um, you can find the procedure to rent on Amazon, iTunes, you, or YouTube. Uh, the topic, rivalry is the sweetest form of entertainment. Yum, yum. Delicious. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we're going to bid you guys adieu. Like I said, we hope you guys are being safe out there, being smart. Uh, but before we say good night, uh, I'm going to share a little story with you guys. So everybody gets their first job and everybody thinks their first paycheck is going to be banging because of all them hours. You're thinking, I'm going to do this with it. I'm going to do that with it. I'm going to party. Hell yeah. All kind of shit. Well, my first job, I got my paycheck and it wasn't shit. And I looked at my coworker and I was like, yo, man, what's up with this check? What, what the fuck is it? all this? You know, where's my money? I got expenses, man. And the guy looked at me. And he must have been channeling Richard Chance from To Live and Die in L.A. Because his words came out as such. Guess what? Uncle Sam don't give a shit about your expenses. You want bread? Fuck a baker. <laughs>